You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's hour two on this Thursday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. Whether you're watching, you're listening, you can email, tweet, dial us up, all the above. Say hello to Chat Row. Just got a great gift from Tyler, the moderator. He, of course, moderates the Chat Row folks. Keeps them, uh, keeps them honest there. His mom made us masks. So we have our, Paulie's got his on right now. We got protective masks that Tyler, the moderator's mom, made for us. There's uh, ones that have hot dogs on them. There's one that has coffee on it and one that has a food truck on it. But uh, Paulie, you look good. It's uh, breezy. It's comfortable. It's, yeah. uh, it makes a statement. I love food and food trucks. Yeah. So it's very nice of Tyler, the moderator. And uh, my thanks to his mother for keeping us safe. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow, part of the Fox Sports Radio lineup, and you can watch this program on youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. We've been talking a lot of basketball. There is no basketball, but we've been talking a lot of basketball. And most of the basketball we've been talking about is over 20 years old because we're still talking about Michael Jordan. Horace Grant, former Chicago Bull, he is going down swinging here. He was talking about a variety of things when he was on ESPN 1000 the other day. Talked about his lack of relationship with Michael Jordan. He went to, uh, on a show, Bet Online, and had this to say about the famous story that Michael Jordan said to the flight attendant on the, uh, the charter, do not let Horace have food. He didn't play well enough to get food after a game. Here is Horace Grant talking about that incident. Let me clear something up about this food thing, that he tried to take my food. I would have beat his ass, guys. <laughs> he can say to the stewardess all he want to, oh, yeah, he shouldn't eat? That's okay. Go ahead. You know, I'm going to say what I have to say. But you come back and try to take my food. I would I would have whipped his ass. It wouldn't be no Air Jordan right now. Right. Yeah. It wouldn't have been no six championships. I guarantee you that. I believe it. I do. I believe the story, and I believe Horace would have gone back there and challenged Michael Jordan. I believe that. He also talked about, this is Horace Grant, he won three titles with Michael before going to Orlando. He talked about the way Scottie Pippen was portrayed in the documentary. It was straight up It was straight up, straight up how they portrayed Scottie. Being the number two on that team, how he came out against Utah, could barely walk, setting screens, getting knocked on the floor, the whole nine yards. And for them, that documentary to call him, well, MJ called him selfish, that's some BS. If it wasn't for Scottie Pippen, there would be no six championships. I'm telling you right now, guys. That's Horace Grant. Now, much was made of Michael Jordan saying that Horace Grant was the snitch for the Sam Smith book, The Jordan Rules. We reached out to Sam Smith yesterday, and we wanted some clarification, whether it was on the record or off the record, whatever he was comfortable about. What role did Horace Grant play in the Jordan rules? Was he the snitch? And, you know, Fritzy emailed him and said, look, we'll have it. We'll keep it off the record or you can put it on the record, whatever you want to say. And Sam Smith sent an email that says the following. Let me put it this way. I've got a degree in business and work for a big eight accounting firm as a staff auditor. Then I got a master's in journalism, was an investigative reporter in Indiana and won national awards. 
city officials were charged as a result. Went to Washington doing investigative work and covering Congress and the White House. Then worked on the staff of a U.S. senator as his press secretary. Left D.C. in 1979. Helped cover the 1980 presidential campaign and national stories for the Chicago Tribune. Had written freelance sports in D.C., then switched to sports at the Tribune in the early 80s. Was writing about the Bulls and the NBA from the time Jordan arrived. But then a relatively unsophisticated 22-year-old from rural Georgia, who basically never was out of the state, comes to Chicago in 1987. So now I finally am able to write a 100,000-word book that includes dozens of on-the-record interviews with principles and substantial details from before Horace Grant arrived in Chicago. Because Horace Grant is pointing me in the right direction, question mark. So that's your story. Sam Smith basically saying, look at what I've done. And, and plus, you know, he was interviewing a lot of people for this book. And I had not heard that Horace Grant was the snitch, if you want to call him a snitch. You know, it used to be you were a source. Mike calls him a snitch. I, I was told that there were other people in the organization who were uh, better sources here. I don't know what Horace Grant's role was, but Sam Smith is basically saying everything I've accomplished in my career, I'm going to pin my book 100,000 words on Horace Grant, who was a 22 year old. How much access would he have to Michael Jordan? What would he be able to tell me? Now, Horace Grant is friends with Sam Smith, and I think to this day still friends, but just because you're 22 years of age from rural Georgia and you're considered unsophisticated doesn't mean you can't be a source on this. It just Mike is calling him a snitch, and that's different. Uh, you know, Mike didn't call out anybody else who was talking to Sam Smith, I don't think. And I'm going to guess that if you had an unnamed source, Horace Grant wouldn't have been the only unnamed source. But, you know, once Michael gets it in his head that he's mad at you or there's a grudge, it's not leaving. I mean, he threw away a friendship with Charles Barkley. It's over because Charles had the audacity to critique him as an owner while giving Michael actual pertinent information from Charles' perspective of you got yes men around you. You need to have somebody who tells you no or they disagree with you. That's I mean, Charles is saying Charles doesn't have a mean bone in his body. But Michael hears it and says, hey. Who are you to be criticizing me publicly? Well, Charles was asked about it, and he is an analyst, and he gave an honest opinion there. Now, should he have kept it in-house? Has he said it to Michael privately? I don't know that. But that relationship's gone. The Isaiah Thomas situation, that relationship is gone. Scotty Pippen, that relationship feels like it's a little fragile right now. Jerry Krause, the late Jerry Krause, that relationship was never a relationship. If Michael didn't like you, didn't respect you, it was going to be hard for you to get back into his good graces. I don't know what else is in play with Horace Grant and Michael Jordan, but it feels like there's a lot of venom there. A lot of venom. Plus, we've been talking about the greatness of Michael Jordan. And rightfully so. I understand it. Uh, we tend to look at Michael and say, the great elixir is when you win titles, it doesn't matter what you do prior to winning the title as long as you win the title. Doesn't matter how you act, how you treat people, who you are, doesn't matter. 
the results bury everything. And that's what's happened. We look back and go, oh my God. That's how he that's how he was as a teammate. Yeah. Hey, but they won. They won six titles. We would rather have that where you have this single-mindedness that I have to win championships. And he, so what if I'm a bad guy or not a good teammate or whatever, you know, I hold grudges. All right, we don't care. Hey, you won. All right. We don't allow every athlete to have that latitude. <laughs> but with Michael, we do because there's a true fascination. Paul Pierce, former uh, Boston Celtic, great. He, uh, he's involved in this situation a little bit on the periphery because Paul Pierce was asked about who are his top five players all time. Bill Russell built up the organization in Boston to get way more credit than we give him. And a lot of times he gets left out of the uh, conversation. So in saying that, Kareem, look at the names that I said. Kareem, Magic, Jordan, Tim Duncan, Kobe, uh, Bird. These guys are all top ten players who would either help build up their organization or continue the tradition. And oh, saying, the, the, the one thing that from LeBron, he went and put together a team in Miami. <laughs> okay, now Paul can have his opinions, but he has to admit that he doesn't like LeBron. He has to admit that. You may not want to put him in your top five. That's fine. You want to put Kobe in there or Shaq in there, Kareem. Like That's fine. Just if you're going to say, hey, uh, Kareem is in there. Kareem didn't build up the Laker organization, Paul. Go back to Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain. They helped build up the franchise. So let's. you already are flawed with that. And you forget LeBron took a Cleveland team to the finals when he was 22 years of age. They had nobody on the roster, and Cleveland has no history of ever winning in basketball. That's when you build up a franchise. And yes, he did go to Miami to join Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade to counter your big three because you got Kevin Garnett and you got Ray Allen. Okay? He did exactly what the Celtics were able to do. They built a team. They brought in Kevin Garnett. They brought in Ray Allen. LeBron joined Dwayne Wade and joined Chris Bosh. That cancels each other out there. Here's Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, talking about Paul Pierce, LeBron James, and their relationship. LeBron James and Paul Pierce hate each other. They don't speak to each other, even now today. I don't know if you remember, Cassie, we was doing hoop streams in Houston against the Lakers. Remember, Braun walked by us and, and, and said something before his pregame shot? He did not speak to Paul. That's the backstory. So I think Paul List is, is kind of more personal towards LeBron than just saying, because there's no way in hell that you could say LeBron James is not top five. You may not have him as your GOAT, but to say that he's not top five, that's just crazy. And I love Paul, but that's that's kind of, I think it's more personal than anything. Yes, it is. It's very personal. <laughs> Paul may not like LeBron because LeBron closed out the Celtics with a 45-15-5 performance. That would make me not like somebody. But everybody can have their opinions on their top five, their top ten. But when I think your opinion is flawed is when I'll call you out. If you love Bill Russell, 
Great. Make Bill Russell the GOAT. I have no problem with that. But don't tell me, hey, all of these other guys built up this franchise. He's got Tim Duncan ahead of LeBron James. Tim Duncan didn't build up San Antonio. Last I looked, it started with the Admiral. Now, you can say Tim, and Tim's one of the great players of all time, decorated, five titles. I'm okay with all of that. But when you say these people I'm putting in here help build up a franchise, tell me who did what LeBron did at age 22 with a team that was not good. He's in Cleveland, the pressure of his hometown to try to deliver and was able to do what LeBron James did. Exactly. And then to go back to Cleveland and deliver on a promise and deliver a championship. And he actually had some help then with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. He had some help there. But Paul Pierce should just admit, look, hey, I don't like LeBron James. Like, Just say that. We don't like each other. I'm fine with that. It it was a rivalry In, in a time with the NBA where it's kind of devoid of rivalries. You had one there. They didn't like each other. The fact that the Celtics still don't like Ray Allen because he had the audacity to go to Miami. I mean, that's a rivalry. I'm cool with that. But you can't sit here and say, LeBron, LeBron's a top five player of all time. He just is. But if, you, if he wants to do, maybe he's just trolling. Maybe he's learning. You know, Kendrick Perkins does this all the time and does it well. By the way, those clips are courtesy of uh, ESPN. Yes, Paulie. I have a question about an old-time NBA player, but I want to present a theory to you briefly. Theory. Will Chamberlain is never mentioned in the all-time NBA greats, that upper echelon. I don't think anyone ever mentions him in the top 10. And my theory is he is kind of like an anomaly, a freak. He's on his own island. I don't know if he's like Babe Ruth or Jim Brown, where he was so freakish as an athlete and so much different than who he's going against. He is boxed out of the conversation, no pun, because of his dominance, that it, it, he's just kind of on an island of his own. The guy was an all-star every year. He was an MVP like half a dozen times. He, he had seasons with 45 and 24. That's double of what a good player does now. Why do you think Wilt Chamberlain is not considered by most lists? He didn't win. But if He didn't win. That's it. If Wilt, Wilt was never known as a winner. Okay. And that was always the knock on Wilt because he had Russell and Russell won. Wilt was the better player, but Russell won. And if you're saying, hey, who you're starting your team with, it depends on who's my team. Because if I don't have to have Bill Russell do anything offensively, Bill Russell would be the ideal guy to have. But I think Will Chamberlain wanted to prove that he could do what Bill Russell did. Because if you look at what he did when he was with the Lakers, when they won 33 in a row, Wilt did not score. He rebounded, blocked shots. He played a Bill Russell-like position. But even then, he's averaging close to what Russell's best season was. I think Russ was maybe 16 points. Chamberlain averaged 15 points that year, but he wanted to block shots, rebound, and lead, lead the scoring to Jerry West and Gail Goodrich, Jim McMillan, those guys. That, that's what he did. He wanted to prove he, – he led the league in assist as a center. Wilt wanted to prove 
you wrong. He just, he didn't win. And because of that, we looked at him as a statistical anomaly and say, boy, those are great numbers, but you're not a winner. And it's the worst thing you can say about somebody. You're not a winner. But yeah, Wilt, Wilt was the most dominating player because of what he did, what, how he did it. You know, he averaged 50 points in a season. 50.4. I think he played, I think he played every, something crazy, and he never fouled out. How's that possible? Never fouled out. And I saw him when he wasn't the dominating force. I saw him when he was a defensive force with those uh, Lakers back in the early 70s. But also understand this. It's like the NFL doesn't track sacks prior to, I think, 1982. The NBA did not have a, you know, they didn't follow the block shot stat. I don't know what Russell would have had or what Wilt would have had, but just imagine they didn't even track those stats back then. All right, we'll take a break. We got some phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Ah. You know, sometimes we come in and we go, I don't know if I can fill up three hours. And then other times I come in, which has been probably more of what this has been. We have so many things to talk about. It's really incredible. It is. There's so much going on. With no games going on, there's so much going on. So many stories here. Now, granted, they might be stories we wouldn't normally cover, but it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, Paul. The NBA films went back and they found some different stats on Will Chamberlain. There were games where later in his career they started uh, checking blocks, putting blocks in the in the official scoreboard. And so 112 of Will Chamberlain's 1,305 NBA games, blocks were kept. In those 112 games, he averaged 8.8 <laughs> blocks per game. 8.8. The mo- and that was for a season. So there was a season where he averaged 8.8 blocks per game. The highest other than 8.8 is 5.6 by Mark Eaton for one season. Well, what about Russell? Again, he was in that era where they didn't keep track. So I got to check if he ever had him kept track. All right. When we come back, was Stuart Scott on to something? The night he did the highlights of the NBA Finals when Michael had the flu game, now known as food poisoning. We'll bring back Stuart Scott. A clip from SportsCenter that night that I did not know. I was out in Utah that night, and Stewart was throwing to me when I was doing the post-game interviews. But I did not know how he led into the highlights that night. Have that for you. And your phone calls. 20 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. I noticed this and I wasn't thinking about it, but it was there right in front of me and I didn't even know this. I'm watching Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter last night. And Van Pizzi plays Stuart Scott's highlights the night of the flu game, now the food poisoning. So Stuart is there in Bristol at the Mothership headquarters, and he is leading into the highlights. So the game is over, and he's leading into the highlights. Now listen to what Stuart Scott says on SportsCenter leading into the highlights that night about Michael Jordan and his health. 
Maybe it was takeout food. The Bulls Park City dwelling in Utah does not have room service. But at 510 Utah time, Michael got to the arena. A touch of the flu after sleeping all day. No doubt, though, the four-time finals MVP would start. Okay, let me go back and play what Stewart said that night. This is, you know, probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes after the game where Mike is sick, but he comes back and, of course, has this heroic performance in Game 5. This is what Stuart Scott said that night. Maybe it was takeout food. The Bulls' Park City dwelling in Utah does not have room service. But at 5:10 Utah time, Michael okay. got to the arena. A so, the flu after once again, we weren't staying there. ESPN was staying in Salt Lake City, downtown Salt Lake City. Now, I was told that Mike was staying in Park City. Now we're finding out that that's true. Um, and where he was staying, from what I was told, was not a hotel. And so he had the top floor and uh, he had friends there. There were three people that I met uh, a year and a half ago who said, we worked that night. We worked that night and we delivered, you know, we were basically bartenders there. But Stewart is finding that Stewart knew this then. How did he find out that they don't have room service and he is suspecting takeout? I'm going to play it one more time just because I'm blown away by this. And maybe it was takeout food. The Bulls (laughs) Park City dwelling in Utah does not have room service. But at 510 Utah time, Michael got to the arena. A touch of the flu after sleeping all day. Man, that's that's outside the lines there. (laughs) Eat it, Bob Lee. Booyah. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Now, I know Stewart was friends with Mike. But I don't know if Mike would have been been on the phone or if, if Stewart checked in with Ahmad Rashad. But I will say this. Stewart was he was great with attention to detail. He would drive the the stats people crazy. Our research department, he'd drive them crazy because he always wanted to give you something that nobody else could. And man, I I applaud you, Stu. That is awesome. Pretty good. Yes, Seaton. Hey, Seaton. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if uh, Stuart Scott and Michael Jordan were friends then. Yeah, they. I don't know when that friendship started, but can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Can you hear me? I don't. Th- I think Seaton might be down there. Um, yeah, they they became friends uh, both going to North Carolina. And uh, I think Stewart did interviews with him uh, soon after that. But uh, yeah, they they were pretty tight. And uh, I think Stewart got to be part of that inner circle with Michael Jordan. But I'd never heard that. And once again, I'm out in Salt Lake, and we're doing the post game coverage. I don't, I can't hear what Stewart's saying until he throws it to me. And the fact that this is the night of, this isn't a week later. This isn't 22 years later. This is the night of, and he's leading in, and he's talking about a a hotel that didn't have room service, and it might have been takeout. Good God, imagine if he had said bad pizza. (laughs) I'd be like, come on, Stuart. I'd give you a posthumous Emmy there for something like that. Uh, that's, uh, That's good stuff there. All right, we'll get to phone calls coming up. Doug Doug Gottlieb just joined us via Zoom. Doug, can you hear me? 
I can. Uh, I was in my car, uh, listening as I do every morning, taking my dog for a walk, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's Odell Beckham Jr. Jr. in the background. And I was I wanted to help you out here. I I I completely disagree with you on Kareem, and I'll tell you why in a second. All right. But the the pettiness of, of Paul Pierce and I I I've known Paul Pierce. Uh, we graduated the same year of high school. He was my roommate at ABCD. Uh, like, look, Paul's a prideful guy, and I think the fact that he was a great player in this, <clears throat> and people don't talk about him, I'm sure that doesn't sit well with him. But look, Dan, he's doing nothing different than what Isaiah's done for years. I, Isaiah and Jordan don't get along. He's downplayed Jordan for years, and he's doing the same. But the biggest mistake that he's making is what a lot of people my age do, talking about guys they never saw play. You know, like, look, Bill Russell's a great player. Will Chamberlain's like my only knowledge of Will Chamberlain is from my dad, who thought Will Chamberlain was a dog. You know that every, every big game he didn't show up in every single one. So um, I, I would just say we should start from the Bird and Magic era and then move forward. I'm fine and with that, but you know what, Paul Paul's an analyst and should be objective here and just say, look, I had a rivalry with LeBron. I didn't get along with him. And then if you want to say, here's my top five or my top seven, I'm fine with that. He's an analyst on ESPN. Hey, look, there's, there's also a possibility he actually belie- he believes this. You know, he, he believes this. The problem is how he supports his argument. That's, that's true. That's your point. That's true. Which yeah. is a really good. Hey, look, my, my thing about Kareem, and Kareem's the guy who he checks all the boxes, but here's the thing. Give me the moment. Give me just even one moment when he and Magic were on the Lakers where it was Kareem's team. If it wasn't, I mean, obviously the most famous moment in Magic's rookie year was what he did on the road against Philadelphia. Yep. And and when they beat the Boston Celtics, it was Magic making the, the baby sky hook. Like, and I know that Kareem was past his prime, but when Kareem got to the Lakers, they didn't immediately win. It took them until they got Magic Johnson to win. Magic and Bird took over the league. Uh, I think you start there, then you go to Jordan. You got to include Duncan, and maybe you know, and Kobe in some of these modern day discussions. And then I think you have Le- LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal and some others as, as well. But I, I just I like look. I get the the need. You're a Celtic. You got to mention Bill Russell. But it's like, did we never saw Bill Russell play? So it's really. Well, Kareem was MVP in '85 in the finals. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm not saying he's not – no, I'm not sitting here telling you that you're an idiot for saying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest player of all time. He, you can make an argument. My my counter-argument to that, Dan, would be he just – you know. But, I, Doug, I was including college basketball in this. He's the greatest player he's had – if I look at high school, college, and the NBA, he's the greatest player of all time. Greatest career. MVPs – Won titles, led the league in scoring, blocks, rebound. He did everything you wanted. I, I know you. If we said, "Oh, you're going to start your team with Kareem or Michael," I know that you're going to say Michael there, right, and right. I might too. But Kareem did everything, and that's why it was laughable. The ESPN best college basketball player. It's not close. It yeah. it, it is Kareem, yeah. right? Yeah. No. Listen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Bill Russell didn't win 60 in a row with Casey Jones at the University of San Francisco. Granted, yeah. maybe yeah. not the overall dominance of, of Kareem at UCLA. Yeah. I would say, like, if you're going to do uh, if you're gonna do college and pro, then you put Bill Russell in there as well. He also did it as a coach, player coach. 
which is which is unique. I don't think uh, Russell was is, a great player, though. I think he was the ultimate team player. He was so limited offensively, Doug. He was unbe- He was great at what he needed to be great at, and they had an unbelievable. They had eight Hall of Famers on that team at one point, and you had maybe the greatest coach of all time. I, 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 uh, okay, but he was. But, but many of the times in which they beat Will Chamberlain, and he was a he was a, and Will Chamberlain's stats dipped against the Boston Celtics, unlike any other time. And when Will Chamberlain played, you know, whether it was with the Philadelphia Warriors, when he played with the Lakers, he had Jerry West and Elgin Baylor in his team. And, you know, only once when Wilt was far past his – I like – we could go round and round. I know. My thing is, like I, – I mean, even, like, Bill, Russell, Bill Russell's numbers were still crazy. There was, but the, the game was totally different. There was very limited defense. There was no three-point shot. It just – it's so and, – and, look – I'll take your word for it because you're the only one of the two of us to remember the history of basketball because you're that old, Dan. I'm kidding. Thank you. But um, but but I, I just I think the biggest mistake dudes make is like like Paul. Like look, I love Paul. We grew up in the same area, so he should have an affinity for Matt Johnson. Probably has. I don't know how he feels about Kobe because that was a contemporary. It's it's really hard to find guys who analyze basketball who know the history of basketball. Because when, when you're a kid, you just you, – you don't have time. If you're a player, you don't really have time to go and analyze. I'm, I'm the exception because I'm a coach's son. Most of the great players, they weren't breaking down. They weren't doing what Kobe was doing, breaking down Jordan's moves. They were just out there hooping, trying to get better, playing four or five games a day. And so the best perspective Paul can give you is, hey, I played against all these guys. Let me tell you, Kobe was better than LeBron, and here's why. That's where he can provide insight that no one else can. Now, it's really hard to disconnect your own personal feelings. I will tell you that there's a good group of former NBA players, some current NBA players, are like, look, LeBron played in a terrible East. When he played in Miami, they not only, they, they not only joined the super team, but remember they kicked out the legs from the Raptors and from the Cavs, and, and so that took away any sort of competition in the East. Yes, when he was 22, what he did, how they beat Detroit, but we had a lot of weird teams come out of the East. Remember, uh, Allen Iverson came out of the East and was a one-man band. We, we, the East was just that far down. Okay, let, uh, just, but, let me just – we'll just settle on this here. Do you think LeBron's okay. a top-five player of all time? Yes. Okay, that's good. Doug, it's great to talk to you. Likewise. All right, thank you. It's Doug Godley there. I appreciate the back and forth. always enjoy that. But, you know, I, all I want to do is stick up for players that people didn't see. That's all. And that's why I bring up certain players and, you know, people don't, people never saw Oscar Robertson play. They didn't. Maybe you saw highlights, but you didn't see his greatness. All we know is he averaged a triple-double, therefore he's one of the top 10 players of all time. Oscar was a great player. Can't argue with that at all. But people didn't see him. If he didn't average a triple-double, people would not put Oscar Robertson in the top 10. And then all of a sudden, Russell Westbrook Jr. the third does it on a yearly basis. Is he one of the top 10 players of all time? If he wins a title, he'd be right in there with Oscar Robertson, right? It's, it's just, we have these convenient arguments here. And everybody, I love when people have their own opinions about players. I'm fine with that. I like discussing it. I like learning. I just think Kareem is the best basketball player of all time. 
Nobody ever roots for the big guy. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, I'm having trouble with the big guy versus a guard comparison. You know how uh, we had the idea of a separate salary cap for quarterbacks? Yeah. Can there be a separate list for the big men? Because it, it feels weird. Like, remember with like Ewing, we never, no one likes the big man. It feels weird to compare Kareem and Jordan when they're so different. Well, I, I agree with Doug. If you start it with the bird and magic era and then move forward with that, you know, just call it the TV era. I'm fine with that because then it takes out, you know, Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain and, you know, Dolph Shays and George Mikan and some of these other players and nobody saw them play. People may have saw, have seen Oscar Robertson play with the Bucks. That, that was not Oscar. Because you're looking at Oscar, he just looks like he's a guard, point guard that's bigger than every other guard. But there was nothing that was dynamic about him. He was an, a great floor general back then. But he was averaging 26, 27, 28 points, you know, eight assists a game. But he was playing for a bad franchise, the Cincinnati Royals. Then he went to Milwaukee. Final piece, they win because they bring in Lou Alcindor. And that's when Lou Alcindor answered all the questions. Yeah, Paul. I wonder, based off that logic, who's going to be the guy today where people say, wait, he must have been the best player in the league. I'm thinking James Harden, because if you look at James Harden's stats the past five years, he's by far, stat-wise, the greatest player in the league. Like His stats are silly. But I don't think anyone is going to say he's the best player in the NBA. A generation from now when people say, remember those players back then? Russell Westbrook, to me, will stand out more than James Harden. Okay. Because Harden just scores. Now, he has the ball, so he's getting seven or eight assists a game. But but this is Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple-double. Does that not mean anything anymore? Because it meant a whole lot when we talked about Oscar. No, he averaged triple-double. That's all people knew, average triple-double. They know nothing about any of, uh, any of his games in the NBA. Give me a magical game with Oscar Robertson. And I don't mean to single him out. I'm singling out the people that... I, well, collectively, I'm singling them out, if you can do that, where we're talking about, hey, I just know this about Oscar Robertson. And there's other guys that you need to know about. And I, I just think sometimes we do that. Bill Russell, and, and I was here from Celtic fans. What, what do you have against Bill Russell? Nothing. Nothing. He was just from a different era. And if we're going to have titles and that's the bottom line, then, he, then call him the greatest player of all time. Just be consistent because Michael is the greatest player of all time. Bill Russell never lost a finals. Right? Not that I'm aware of. He had 11 titles. Is he the greatest player of all time? Well, that's what we're using, you know, as the bottom line for uh, Michael Jordan. Hey, never lost. Okay. Never lost. Take a break. Your phone calls coming up next here on the Dan Patrick. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Time for phone calls here. People have been on hold for a little while. Uh, Richard in Arizona. Hi, Richard. What do you have for me today? Yeah. Uh, hi, Dan. Hi, bud. Uh, love the show. Been listening for years. Um, the subject of music. I love when you guys talk about music or anything else related to pop culture. Wanted to recommend two videos to everybody. If you haven't seen it, Jeff Beck still on the run. 
it's a document biography. Okay. Uh, and uh, if that doesn't blow your mind, why, then watch um, Jeff Beck live at Ronnie Scott's. It's an old jazz club in London. So it's a small venue, and it's uh, just a concert. All right. Well, Jeff Beck, one of the great guitar players uh, in rock and roll history. Thank you for that suggestion. Patrick in Ohio joins us. Hey, Patrick, what do you have? Hey, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Colin in New York joins us. Hey, Colin. Hey, how's it going, Dan? Um, I think you are the best interviewer uh, of all time, and I'll argue with anybody that wants to argue with me about that. Also, I think the back row is the best row. And I think if we're going to pay Patrick Mahomes 45 to $50 million, then what's the point of having a coach? I mean, who cares about coaches? Well, <laughs> you lost me. I agree with my interviewing skills. I may not agree with you on the back row, but you do have a coach. You have to have a coach. Like Patrick Mahomes is great, but you need Andy Reid in there and Eric Bieniemy. So, I still think they should have a separate salary cap because you start to look at the Cowboys. Dak Prescott wants to get paid, but if, if he starts to get towards $40 million, then you're going to have to disassemble the Cowboys at some point, and you're going to have to be all in this year and maybe next. So your window is really small because of the amount of money that you're going to pay for Dak Prescott. I just don't know if Jerry Jones is sold on Dak Prescott. I've felt that, always felt that, and I'm wondering, Dak Prescott on the open market, what would the attention be with Dak Prescott? I think with Dallas, he's the right quarterback for you, but also the right price. Not every quarterback needs to be next man up is the highest paid player in the NFL. It's a flawed system. I don't care if it's Dak Prescott or if Deshaun Watson. Mahomes is going to be the highest paid. But there are a lot of quarterbacks who are better than Dak Prescott who are going to make $10, $12 million less than him each year. But, hey, that's, that's the NFL's cross to bear there, not mine. Uh, Garrett in Kansas City. Hi, Garrett. What do you have for me? But also the right price. Hey, Garrett. Not Turn down your radio. Yep. Hey, Garrett. Sorry. Turn down your radio. Thanks, Garrett. We'll move on. Paul in Iowa joins us. Hey, Paul. Hey. Hey, what about Dirk Nowitzki? No one ever talks about Dirk and how great of a player he was. A great player. What do you? Where do you want to put him? Or what? He's in my top five. He he was transitional. I mean, he was ahead of his time. There was no seven foot big man getting the ball at the three point line, splashing threes, and making them plays that he did. All right. Uh, he was a brilliant scorer, but I don't think that's enough to have you in the top five. He did win a title, beat LeBron and company, but Dirk was a wonderful scorer and one of the top five scorers in NBA history, but uh, that doesn't put him in my, my top five. Where was Dirk on that list of 74 best players that ESPN came out with? Because I, I, Was he top 20 players of all time? Because I'm not sure. Uh, Mike in Maine joins us. Hey, Mike, what do you have for me? Hey, Dan. 5'7", uh, uh, Furry168. Uh, you guys have been huge for me since uh, this whole coronavirus thing. I, I just enjoy the show so much. Thank you, Mike. Um, uh, I'm calling about uh, the whole Bill Russell thing. You know, this has been a huge topic of conversation lately, and nobody ever brings up the fact that there were eight 
teams when he won his first, and I think like 14 when he won his last. And, uh, I mean, this might be blasphemy, but I feel like there's 25 guys in the last 10 years who you put him in that scenario and maybe they run the table. It's just, it seems like what you and Doug Collins were saying a minute ago, like you've got to separate the two eras. It's just most of the fans haven't, have never seen, uh, you know, any footage of, of Russell and we just don't know. And, but the style was so different. I just don't think it's fair to compare or even attempt. It's not, it, it, it's, it's apples and oranges. They play the same game, but they really don't. And Bill Russell was the ultimate team player, but he wasn't a great player. He was a great winner. He was athletic, he brilliant defensively and rebounding, and he he seemed to be able to psych out Wilt Chamberlain because Wilt would put up these impressive numbers, but then it would come down to who was going to win a title or get to the NBA Finals, and it would be Bill Russell and the Boston Celtics. But, you know, Russ was limited offensively. He won those titles, and if titles are going to be the answer to this question, then Bill Russell's the greatest player of all time. I do think starting this these arguments in the bird magic era, the TV era, makes more sense because we got to see them play. The NBA used to be on tape delay. And I, I remember watching the Knicks and the Lakers. And that's when Clyde Frazier had one of the greatest championship games of all time against Jerry West. I think he went 36 and... 18 or 19 assists against the Lakers. He didn't win most valuable player. Willis Reed did. And I think he scored two or three baskets against Will Chamberlain. But the emotional lift, they made him MVP. Final hour, more phone calls coming up. Denny Hamlin had a win last night at Darlington. He'll join us coming up. Final hour, Dan Patrick Show. 